0: Pixie Queen by Anthony Green has been an annual staple of mine for years.
1: And I listened to it once yesterday.
0: Welcome to Spin It. everybody welcome back to spin it the record ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music i'm james with me is connor connor i still feel like i can't tell you to say hi <laughs> but i don't know how to i don't know how to start now i'm still thrown off
1: hey everyone how's it going we're back couple weird episodes in a row we had the singles episode then the spooky halloween episode Feels good to be back to just a standard old episode
0: that's right yeah we're officially out of october so there's no more october gimmicky stuff going on we're into
1: november so now it's- time for all the thanksgiving gimmicky stuff gobble gobble yeah right all those classic thanksgiving songs that everyone knows and loves
0: i've thought about this before i don't think i know a single thanksgiving themed song
1: there's the charlie brown one right isn't there a charlie brown thanksgiving song instrumental that plays during the thanksgiving episode
0: is there i think so if there is good for them they've got the only one
1: of course Then there's also the song turkey bird by haywood banks
0: i don't know if i know that one
1: you don't you don't know turkey bird i am a turkey bird you don't know that song
0: never heard that in my life go
1: ahead sending you a link
0: are we doing another live react thing like the singles episode
1: i think we quickly are
0: yeah no i've never heard this in my life
1: this is a classic thanksgiving song
0: no it's not
1: yeah it is
0: there's not a chance this is a classic when how old is this
1: i don't know when the song came out like 10 years ago probably
0: i'd also argue that oh i was about to say there's nothing to do with thanksgiving but then they talked about thanksgiving specifically okay Uh uh-huh that doesn't what that doesn't rhyme Oh, It's only a minute 51 seconds long, but it feels like two hours. That is not going to become a staple of my Thanksgivings, I hate to say. (laughs) It's so good, what are you talking about? No, not at all. It's just a little turkey bird. And we're not here to talk about turkey songs. Uh, Welcome to our episode on Haywood Bangs, everybody. (laughs) No, we're not taking no surprise pivots. I'm not ready.
1: All right, we'll come back to you in the future, Haywood Banks. We'll come back for you. No turkey bird left behind.
0: Instead, we're talking about Anthony Green. Anthony Green and the album Pixie Queen. Anthony Green was born in Pennsylvania in 1982. He's a Midwesterner. He got started playing music in 1997, and he's been in so many bands. Probably more bands than anyone else will cover for quite a while. You might know him from bands like Sousin, Circa Survive, The Sound of Animals Fighting, Zoloft, The Rock and Roll Destroyer, Audience of One, Jeer at Rome. Chino Moreno, Good Old War, Food, etc. There's so many bands. Like, I left off a lot of band names, and that was a lot of bands that I said. That's a lot of bands. Between all of these bands, he's put out more than 25 projects over the years. Lots of his stuff is kind of post-hardcore, slash hard rock, emo, alternative, whatever. Each of these different bands kind of has their own little style that he contributes to, mostly vocally. But, as a solo artist, which is how we're talking about him today, he's released 14 albums and EPs from 2008 to the Present and these they air way more on the acoustic side, kind of closer to like an indie rock or almost edgy Americana. I guess it's a pretty stark contrast in any case. Like, go listen to Sousen and then listen to some of Anthony Green's solo work, and you'll be surprised to some degree that it's even the same guy. But it is, it sure is.
1: Pixie Queen is one of
0: his newer ones, though, right? Yeah, it is relatively speaking. Of his 14 solo releases, Pixie Queen is his 12th, which makes it his fourth solo LP of all new original music, and it came out just in 2016, which is a year before I discovered it. So I was a little bit late to the game on this one, but I've been here for a while. He's a multi-instrumentalist, as you could probably guess if you've listened to this record. And you know, if you haven't listened to this record and you want to do it, go check it out now. Do it now. Yes. Right now. Do it now. Hit pause, open a new tab, listen to it, close that tab, hit play on this. Yeah, you'll be back at this. Yeah. Well, if if you've listened to Pixie Queen, you could probably already tell that he sings and plays the guitar, but he also plays the bass and the keyboard. So for a record, like pixie queen where those are pretty much the meat and potatoes he kind of does all of the legwork here and lately something that's really cool lately he's become a pretty vocal advocate for breaking the stigma around mental health issues he started to open up publicly about all of his own struggles and he's worked really closely with the national alliance on mental illness so you may be wondering why did you pick this album uh, why did
1: you pick this album i'm wondering wow
0: boy did i call that or what <laughs> I picked this album because this is November. We're kind of getting deep into the autumn months. And it's
1: got a Thanksgiving song?
0: No. This album, I think I discovered it in the fall, but it's just always been more of a late autumn album for me. Like every time it gets to be around fall, I start to listen to this again because it just has that kind of vibe to it Mm. with this acoustic guitar that's so prevalent. And a lot of these themes are pretty sad. And like, I don't know, we'll get into it. But I think it's actually a very fitting album for the season. So I thought, what a better time to include it on the podcast than right now when I would normally be listening to it. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Pixie Queen peaked at number 171 on the Billboard 200. Not bad. I mean, to make it into the 200 at all is impressive. Yeah, I know, right? Despite this being an album full of songs about insecurity and kind of having this really sad undertone, in an interview that he gave around the time of the record's release, he said, quote, I think I'm the happiest I've ever been. So I think that's really cool. And I'm sure that this album played a big role in just helping him express his emotions and kind of vent those feelings out into to the ether just to have some outlet for it cathartic yeah it's cathartic and it comes across very apparently when you're listening to it yeah i have to ask how much do you think the mixtaper knows about anthony green i don't
1: know uh the mixtapers kind of kept this one a little close to the chest you know he's been putting in some extra hours at starbucks and we haven't had a lot of time to just chit and chat you know oh yeah sure maybe he's a big anthony green fan i don't know he might be i believe it let's get him in here and ask sure let's play factor spin factor spin no, 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 no hey it's me the mixtaper
0: yeah we all know who you are you say it's me the mixtaper every time It's my catchphrase the fans love it the catchphrase is you saying your name sure i mean who am i to say what the fans should love it's,
1: it's a good marketing strategy you know you got all those other catchphrases you know up up and away that doesn't tell you anything about who the guy is branding mine tells you exactly who i am so no, you're right as i say it more more people hear it more people learn who i am i'm more famous eventually i'll be able to stop this gig and become a full-time supervillain.
0: oh you're gonna to say a full-time barista.
1: No, no, I hate that job. Some crazed fan of the podcast found me there here like a week ago. Oh, no, that, yeah. Took a picture of me. I had to, had to tell him no flash photography.
0: I did hear about that.
1: Regular photography's fine. Flash photography, not allowed. It scares the
0: coffee. The tannins. It'll ruin the tannins. It'll ruin the tannins. <laughs> anyway, Factor Spin, let's do it. I'm ready for another round of Factor Spin. We split it 50-50 last time. Yeah,
1: for those of you who are new to the podcast or have been following us here since the last time I explained the rules and haven't quite picked them up i present a bunch of supposedly true facts to james about the artist or album and he can ask as many questions as he'd like but at the end of the day he has to tell me am i lying to him or is this a true fact that i found
0: so far we've had some on weeks and some off weeks uh weeks that i do better weeks that you do better yeah you're still a little ahead on the running tally just a little bit so i'm hoping that today is another chance for me to increase my lead i need another good week well maybe this will be your good week i mean i hope not but maybe well let's find out uh First, he used to wear a skunk mask on stage. A skunk mask? Was this like all the time for a, not like a one-time thing. He used to do it regularly.
1: At all the performances.
0: Was this one of the particular bands that he was in that he would do this for?
1: Between 2004 and 2008, he was part of the anonymous indie band, The Sound of Animals Fighting that you mentioned earlier, which was a super group of 12 different artists who would collaborate on different songs. Sure, yeah. When they would perform in order to keep their anonymity, they all wore animal masks on stage to their identity and would refer to one another by their animal name. He specifically wore a skunk mask and was known as the skunk. Did he pick the
0: skunk or was it assigned to him? I would think they all picked them out. Yeah, after listening to Pixie Queen, I feel like he would kind of assign himself the skunk at some points on this record. When did that end? Like, when did they decide to stop being anonymous? Because obviously we know it was him now.
1: They did very few actual live performances to begin with, but at the end of it, when they were officially done with all that, they did a four-concert run where they did a maskless, you know, to reveal their identities.
0: Now, they were all animals. Did they fight? I mean... You know, the sound of animals fighting.
1: Maybe. Uh, I'm gonna choose to personally believe that they all had little bits that went along with their animals that they would do on stage.
0: Oh, right, so the skunk would, like, just let one rip? Crop dust, everyone? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think I'm gonna go ahead and say that this one's true. Oh, true. Yeah, there have been plenty of gimmicky bits. Bands out there who have tried to do the anonymous thing and it's kind of cool to think of a super group of people that's anonymous and decides to mask up like that skunk is an interesting choice but again i don't think it's necessarily out of the wheelhouse of what he would have picked so i'm gonna roll the dice on true here
1: this is indeed a true fact all right yeah he picked out skunk and this was his stage name while part of that super group again not too many live performances so he didn't wear it much but uh up next He votes for himself for governor of Pennsylvania every
0: election. (laughs) This is the kind of fact that I love. All right. For governor of Pennsylvania, what are the requirements to be governor of Pennsylvania?
1: I had a feeling you'd ask this, so I looked them up for you. You gotta be at least 30 years old. Sure, he's got that covered. You gotta live in Pennsylvania. Uh Uh-huh. And that's pretty much it. That's it? Those are the two big ones, I mean. There's all the normal things that go along with holding any public office, but the age requirement varies from state to state. Pennsylvania, it's 30.
0: Right, and he just does this kind of tongue-in-cheek. He doesn't campaign or anything. He doesn't want to be governor. He just doesn't want to vote for any of the actual candidates.
1: No, no. So yeah, in a 2014 interview, he was asked who he'd be voting for and he revealed he'd be voting for himself uh, because he said it would be the first election that he was eligible for the position.
0: Oh, so he just started as a joke.
1: Yeah. And even though he doesn't want the job, he actually has a fear that if the rest of Pennsylvania were to decide to vote for him, that he'd lose the race because he didn't believe in himself. So he always votes for himself just in case.
0: What? (laughs) So he's worried that if he doesn't vote for himself, everyone else in the state will and he will (laughs) lack the confidence to do the job
1: enough people would well not everyone I think that I think the argument here is that enough would that he'd lose because he didn't vote for himself sure
0: does he know has anyone else in Pennsylvania voted for him ever
1: I don't know he did say in 2018 he was asked you know in an interview then if he would be voting for himself again and he said yes so that's why I assume he's done it you know he's done it both times he could so I don't know maybe he'll do it maybe he'll break the streak in 2022
0: I see I don't see why not just keep it rolling this is interesting despite this being a more serious kind of record he does strike me as a guy with a pretty healthy sense of humor yeah and i feel like this is something that he would do so i'm gonna gonna take a gamble on fact again on fact again yeah i think so
1: well he did not say he'd be voting for himself this is a spin
0: oh no (laughs) i got spun
1: get spun (laughs) on
0: so i'm guessing this is a fact where nothing about it was true because there was really nothing else
1: no i just made it
0: up good work let the skunk govern up next, he was once roommates with Jamie Foxx. No way. Okay, Um, where were they roommates? At school somewhere or just like in real life? In real
1: life. When? So this would have been early 2000s, right after he got out of high school. While pursuing his music career, he answered a
0: Craigslist ad for a roommate. Said roommate was Jamie Foxx. Okay, I'm not super familiar with Jamie Foxx's acting career. When did his work start to take off? When did he start picking up acting gigs?
1: All Also early 2000s, they lived together for two years before Jamie moved out to California for his acting
0: career. Okay, and they lived together in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Did they get along? Like, were they good roommates to each other?
1: Yeah, yeah. The two are still good friends. Uh, Jamie Foxx had an interview that they still text one another and visit one another from time. Uh, Jamie has gone to a couple of his concerts.
0: I think this is a spin.
1: I think this is a spin.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of leaning spin on this one. Any reason why? No, not in particular. It just feels very untrue to me.
1: Hmm. You don't think that Jamie Foxx would ever have a roommate?
0: No, that's not what I mean. I just mean, what are the odds that two famous people who are famous for completely unrelated related reasons would have shared a room in the same place at the same time you know what I mean like I think this is a spin I'm gonna go with a spin on this one
1: all right well your intuition paid off this was indeed a spin all right Jimmy Fox was not roommates with Anthony Green.
0: Okay, were either of them roommates with somebody else? Not that I'm aware of. Okay.
1: Jamie Foxx isn't even from Pennsylvania. He's from Texas. So.
0: I wondered. I Like I said, I don't know too terribly much about Jamie Foxx. He doesn't strike me necessarily as a Midwesterner. I got one more for you. Alright, one more so far. Two and one. This is going to be once again the determinant between three and one or two and two. He
1: carries a $5 bill in his wallet that has a special meaning to him. What's the special meaning? The $5 bill was given to him from his very first record sale.
0: Oh, okay. When did he make this sale? Like I said, he's been doing music since 97? While still in high school. Yeah, okay. That tracks. Is there anything identifiable about the $5 bill that separates it from another? How does he know that he hasn't pulled it out and spent it and like kept another $5 bill on accident?
1: He keeps it in a special pocket in the wallet behind a picture of his wife.
0: Does he carry it around with him because he thinks it's like a good luck charm. Is there a reason that he carries it around instead of just like framing it or something? I don't know.
1: So he does it to remember where he came from and the people who initially believed in
0: him. I like that. So he sold this record in high school. Was it one of his friends that bought it? How'd the transaction go down?
1: It absolutely was. So in high school, when he was a part of the band Audience of One that you mentioned, though at the time it was still called Handsome Pete, which I just want to do a quick tangent on and say how great of a band name is that Handsome Pete. It's a really good (laughs) one. We should create a band called Spin It Pete. Pete. Why? I don't know. Just the name Pete in a band name is fun. Uh, Anyway, while they were, you know, in this band, they burned a few songs that they had recorded in band member Tommy Dugger is I think how that's pronounced Uh, Tommy Duggerty's garage onto a CD, but they sold the CDs at the live performances they did at a local restaurant for $5 and his best friend at the time who came to the show bought a CD to support him.
0: Why did he get to keep the five? Like there's a whole band here. Why didn't they? I don't know. Divvy it up or something.
1: I mean, he was a front. Front man, so I don't know, maybe he just called dibs on the first one.
0: Fair enough. Typical front man.
1: Yeah, I don't feel like I want to be as memorable as like, oh we got this five dollar bill, let's all just break it for a bunch of singles and take a dollar each. That's way less memorable.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. I think this is tricky. I think this is a tricky one.
1: Tricky. You think it's a tricky one?
0: Yeah, I think most of this fact is true, without a doubt. Oh. I think the starting with a band, selling records in high school, his best friend buying one, I think that's all true. Pretty much, I have no problem with that. The issue I'm running into is I don't really know whether he would still carry it around in his wallet. He might still have it, and that's fine. But if there is something about this fact that's false, I think that's going to be the key piece.
1: Man, you think I'm getting you just on the fact that it's in the wallet? You think I'm going that detailed on you? When
0: that he carries it around with him. I'm going to say that this is true, though.
1: Oh, wow. Really, really whiplashed me there. <laughs> Setting this up to be a spin. No,
0: what I'm saying is, I'm going to say that it's true, but I'm going to predict that if it's not true, that's the bit of it that's the why. Gotcha. That he just doesn't carry it around with him and everything else is fine.
1: Well, you were partially right. This fact is indeed a spin, uh-huh. but the only part of it that's true that I'm aware of is the fact that he was in the band and they performed. Uh oh, I made wow. up all the stuff about burning them on the CDs and his friend buying them and then keeping the dollar bill. Wow. Some of that could be true. I don't know i just made it all up once i saw i wanted to include handsome pete somehow sure (laughs) <laughs> I, I should have
0: known. <laughs> so that's the avenue I went? Okay. Yeah. Um, I feel a little bamboozled by that one. That one got me pretty good. Uh, yeah. You were you were sold on a lot of it. Yeah. I know. I was. But you went
1: two for two. Another 50 percenter. So the ratio of the score doesn't change. <laughs> Neither of us gain any ground. We're deadlocked in battle.
0: I liked a lot of those facts. At that least was...
1: they, were, they were engaging. They were fun. Yes. Well, I'm off to go find some interesting truths and lies about next week's artist. All right. I'm excited to see what you come up with. Maybe maybe I'll find out that they were also in a band uh, at one point with the name Pete. I thought
0: you were going to say they were also in a band, and I was going to say,
1: well, yes, they were. <laughs> and with that, I'm off to think up more lies, truths, and expressos.
0: Yeah. You're off to think up more expressos? Whatever.
1: Yeah, you got to come out. Yeah. Uh, sorry, this is Connor. I'm back. Hello. Hello. Yeah, you know, the mixtaper. He's, he's all the time uh, coming up with new recipes. Yeah, new drinks.
0: <laughs> new drinks. Oh, he's inventing drinks for Starbucks. Yeah,
1: he's a mixologist for starbucks
0: did not know that that's new
1: he takes credit for the pumpkin spice idea i mean wow and you don't know if you can trust bold,
0: him but bold, considering that they had it for years before he worked there i mean you, we don't know how long he's worked there yeah we do you just said the other week he had to take on a part-time job at starbucks
1: but again we can't we, we can't he's a liar right he's the Mick favor so oh you're right he could be lying he to could us, be he, lying
0: to us he claims
1: credit for pumpkin spice
0: right Well, I'm skeptical, but okay. I'll let him have that. He needs a little victory every now and again.
1: Let him think that we think that he's telling
0: the truth. Right. Let's talk about Pixie Queen. Let's get into it. Let's talk about, first of all, the album cover. It's a pretty simple album cover. It's a, yeah, it's a very simple one. Yeah. At the top, it says Anthony Green presents Pixie Queen in really theatrical kind of letters. And then down below, there's a naked woman sitting by a campfire. That's his wife, Meredith. He is indeed naked.
1: Oh, not any naked woman. That's his naked
0: wife. Yes, you're correct. Yeah, that is he's sitting awfully close to the fire first off i've always thought the same thing i've always been like oh uh, like uh, especially for not having
1: any clothing on like you're gonna scorch something you don't want scorch
0: you run the risk yeah you're really quite
1: literally playing with fire <laughs> it's a nice looking fire though they went with uh what the tp style for the logs
0: yeah and you can see i love the ember that comes off of it where it's like the shutter speed wasn't quite enough to catch it and it's like streaking like the line yeah so it's in a streak really like the album cover. I I really think it fits thematically with a lot of this record. Yeah.
1: The darkness. The majority of the album's like darkness, right? And then there's the bright light in the middle with his bright light, his wife, naked sitting too close to a fire.
0: So much of the album is exactly about that. (laughs) If you listen
1: to this album and didn't get the imagery of sitting too close to a fire naked, you listened to it wrong.
0: Right. But so many of these songs on this album are for and about his wife and their relationship and they're also about the ways that he relates to her or the way that he feels about himself and I think at the end of the day he feels like he's in this darkness and his wife the titular pixie queen is like the light, is what keeps him grounded. That's the thing that he's drawn to like that. Bone moved to make her naked though. Yeah it is but whatever.
1: You know it's an artistic choice. I oh, do no, it just feels like, you know, they usually have like t-shirts with album art on them that you can buy and stuff. I like, imagine walking around with a shirt of another guy's naked wife.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. It'd be,
1: it'd be strange. It's not a lot to talk about on the album art itself, but I feel like we'll reference back to it when we get into the analysis here.
0: Let's talk about the album. There are 11 tracks on this album. The first one is called You'll Be Fine. He wrote this song, at least parts of it, just before the birth of his son. He said, I was terrified about being a bad father and I knew I was a bad husband, so I was dealing with a lot of fear around that so you can see right away that this kind of self-deprecation or this insecurity in how he's doing as a husband to his wife and a father to his kids that creeps in I mean right from the get-go on this record
1: yeah uh, I really like the guitar beat at the beginning of this the bought up bought up Yeah. And then the like eerie singing that comes in when they get into the I've gone out, you know, really drawn out. It's unexpected.
0: Yeah, it starts off like a march, which I think is kind of cool. It's not something you hear a lot. You know, this drum roll-esque beat and the the bum bum of the guitar. Yeah. I just love the reverb on his voice. It is different. And we start to hear something that's a hallmark on this record. Those really ethereal harmonies that are really kind of faint and far away. Mm -hmm. And he does all of the vocals. You know, you can just hear that it's him multiple times. But there's this distance to it Especially on this song I think that's pretty I don't know poignant very intentional it's
1: an interesting contrast I guess you know because again the butt ups are very prevalent the entire time that he's singing, you know it's like what's driving the song but yet then in the background you have borderline too slow lyrics you know like if you took that butt up away he'd be taking way too long to say each of those lines
0: yeah they're really quick and to the point yeah and I noticed that on a couple of other songs on this record too mm-hmm. that he almost lets the music pull his vocal along if that makes any sense like yeah he does doesn't bother keeping up with it. He just kind of lets it go ahead, and he follows it as it goes. I, I, if that makes any sense, it's really hard to explain. Makes sense to me. One of my favorite lines in this first verse that he repeats later on is, "If I had something you wanted, you would stay." That's just the horrifying way I see it. Like I am in this relationship, and I only can imagine it continuing as long as you've got something that you want from me. That you only want me for the things that I can provide, and when that's gone, you'll just leave.
1: Yeah, and it, that's where it actually picks up a little more to match the music too. When it's on the end if I had something you wanted you know it picks up and I like that better actually like the slow stuff is cool thematically at the beginning but I'm glad that he picks it up a little bit towards the end of the verse
0: yeah it's varied and then right before the chorus starts we we get this massive shame oh oh, oh. shame
1: yeah he just (laughs) yells
0: it out and it's just this I don't know that like you talked about that catharsis this is that moment of catharsis right before the chorus flips the song on its head
1: right before the dory moment
0: yeah go on to make your Finding Nemo <laughs> jokes. Yeah, you
1: knew that you should have known they were coming. I mean, screaming like a whale. How does that not instantly take every person who's ever seen Finding Nemo right to Dory speaking whale?
0: Yeah, the first line of the chorus is screaming like a whale from the love I've failed. Dreaming of a way, but you know my hands are tied. This is more, in terms of the vocal, this is more the Anthony Green you'd see when you would see a punk band. Or like, you go to a Salison show, this is the kind of Anthony Green you're going to get. That kind of edgy, more of a rock type vocal. Even though the instrumental stays very acoustic and and almost hollow it's a cool it's a cool contrast
1: the chorus they're pretty sounding even though again he's singing kind of about you know how he's failed and can't be saved and stuff it's just so pretty sounding
0: yeah it really is and it'll get stuck in your head if you're not careful yeah but i love the cool thing that he does where he takes all these images and then he mixes and matches pieces in each chorus it's never exactly the same thing twice Mm-hmm. because we've got screaming like a whale from the love I failed then falling to the floor in a restless state then burning like a candle at both his ends and falling to the floor again in the second chorus and then at the end we match screaming like a whale with burning like a candle yeah it kind of combines them it, it just everything fits together differently
1: I always like it when artists bury up their chorus just slightly mm-hmm.
0: it's cool to see how mixing and matching different pieces of the same story can express the same idea in different ways
1: this is the longest Song, or this, I guess, the longest song on the album, not counting the title song at the very end. The first and last song on the albums are the longest
0: by almost a whole minute. And what's interesting about it being the longest is that they shot the music video for this in one take. Only one. Really? Yeah. The music video is Anthony Green walking down a beach. And then, you know, someone that's supposed to be him comes out of the ocean and they have this big brawl on the beach. And it's actually so interesting to watch because it's filmed mostly in slight slow motion. Yeah. So even though all their lips and the music and stuff syncs up, they're having this slow motion fight on the beach. It still fits with the song in tempo. Huh. It's very cool. And in the end, of course, Anthony Green starts getting dragged out to sea by his kind of evil doppelganger.
1: Oh, so he loses. Yeah. That is cool. Um, this song makes it into Connor Top 3. Wow, right off,
0: the, right off the bat.
1: Yeah, kicking it off. Song number one, Connor Top 3. Uh, it's just got such a pretty chorus. And like you mentioned, the shame, the way that they hold it out. Just shame. Oh, oh.
0: It's just... I think I like I'm Not Holding You Back better than You'll Be Fine. Really? I'm Not Holding You Back is track two. And it starts off with this really big harmony. Like, very abruptly. How will we get past our last regret? Oh, oh. It's like what he sings. It's very nice. I think my
1: problem with this song is it doesn't really go... Musically, Really? You hear what the instrumentation is doing at the very beginning with the, how will we get past our last regret? Oh, 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 doesn't have to be the end. We could last, you know, the first couple lines pretty much tell you everything that's musically going to happen in the song. And it does that pretty much on repeat.
0: No, I I disagree because there's a significant change on the chorus. This is in terms of the chord progression. This is one of my favorite songs on the record.
1: They, you know, get a little more drawn out with it there. And they, I don't know if they take it minor or not. I don't know. That's your territory. (laughs) Right, They do a little something with it, but then they just revert it all back to what it was. The majority of the song, it doesn't move. It doesn't ebb and flow nearly as much as like You'll Be Fine does.
0: No, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. What they do in the verse.
1: It's just a little too stagnant.
0: Yeah, fair. The verse goes back and forth between a C and a G sharp. Those are the two chords in the verse. And then in the chorus, that switches up completely on its head to a D sharp and a C minor. And that's what I love about it. It does go minor. Ha ha, look at me, audience. I did it. I mean in a sense. But I love the way that he shifts it so that he can include that C minor and the C both in the same song. Yeah. It's not super common and I love the different texture that brings to the sound. I'll agree musically it stays kind of at the same level the whole time, but that level is so so like big and and vast, I guess. It, it feels feels like the whole song packs an equal punch for me.
1: I don't know, I spend too much time in the song waiting for it to go somewhere and you know, you can only wait for so long.
0: I guess. Lyrically, this song will make your heart ache won't it? I mean, yeah, this song has some great lyrics. I'll give you that. He says, I hear you say you won't let go first. I wish I believed you when I'm not holding you back. Please don't let me change your mind. I'll do anything to stay like I'll do anything to keep you here, but I can't stop you from leaving. I'll do anything but stop. you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's just this really heartfelt expression of feeling like he's not good enough that he's not deserving of this relationship or that he's afraid that his partner is going to leave him.
1: Is this one of the ones about his wife? Yes. And I think that's sense of insecurity is something a lot
0: of people can identify with too yeah so
1: if you if you paying attention to the lyrics careful your own heart will start to ache as you identify with some of his insecurities
0: and i love some of these lines just throughout at the end he says time spent we gaze upon our last stand and goes on to say never had a lot to say i won't be back which is just it's interesting to talk about i'm not holding you back but if you do leave i will be too hurt to try this again you know what i mean like yeah that's that's it for me
1: it was pretty the OOO was really pretty i love me a good OOO, as as talked about several times on
0: podcast but is, the song was just like i
1: already said stagnant for me
0: yeah fair enough i don't know i just can't get over the way that he dips into that i hear chord at the beginning of the chorus he just dips into that d sharp he just really leans into the uniqueness of that with his vocal melody and i like that so maybe i'm just biased by that one part yeah let's move on to track three will it be in the same vein as you'll be fine will it B is a song about Green's imminent fatherhood because, you know, the whole hook of the chorus is waiting to see my boys.
1: Last song, you gave me grief for calling it stagnant because of the whole shift into with the minor Cs or whatever. This song... I mean, you don't even realize you enter the chorus. That's how stagnant this one gets with the guitar. It's just that guitar strumming the exact same beat over and over. I mean, You move from verse to pre-chorus into chorus and nothing really varies musically. It's just the same melodic beat. Seamless. This is a seamless song. Yeah. And again, it just didn't do it for me. I want the music to change up. I can only listen to the same guitar strum so many times.
0: Well, get ready. I mean, there's a whole album still
1: to come. I know. This is going to be a similar... Point I bring out throughout the album. Usually I complain about the lyrics being repetitive, but in this guy, he's found a way to make music super repetitive. Like his lyrics are so good. I love his, like I'm having the exact opposite reaction that I usually have. Usually it's like, oh, I love the music, but man, you couldn't come up with better lyrics. And this time I'm like, man, I love your lyrics, but do something different with the music, my guy.
0: (laughs) That's what I love. I love serving you up different albums where one element is off from something we've talked about before. Yeah. And it's just like, it's always interesting to see how you react to a given element. And it's sad too, Because so
1: many of these songs, right, are ballads. And those are usually the songs I identify with. But when you don't do anything with them, like these are just ballads for the sake of ballads. You're not doing anything special with them. So I was a little disappointed.
0: Lyrically, though, I, I mean, I do love this song. He talks about at the beginning how I was born apart from my brothers and never felt apart of that. And he says, how do I teach things that I never learned? How do I impart on my kids the experience that I never got to have? It's something I'm unfamiliar with, but I want them to have it. Where can I bring it to them? You know, I, I mean, I love it. It kind of begs this question, the whole song. He's thinking, like, can I even affect them in that way? Or are they just destined for a certain way of growing up? It's
1: like the whole nature versus nurture argument.
0: Yeah, exactly like that the song pretty much embodies that
1: it's something again i feel like this song would really identify with us if either one of us was a
0: father, you know? (laughs) Yeah, you're right. It probably would hit differently even then. I just, I mean, looking beyond the repetitiveness of the music, I really love the way that it's mixed and mastered. You know, the vocal harmonies, the song would lose so much without the harmonies on the chorus, even though they're kind of overshadowed by his main melodic vocal. Those harmonies do so much to support that in such a subtle way. And the guitar is so well mastered. It just sounds great. And this track is not alone in that quality, but it's the first one where I really noticed it because few other things are going on
1: again it wasn't a bad song by any sense of the word but it was just one of those ones that like i fallen asleep during because it just didn't go anywhere
0: And I guess, again, that's the difference in interpretation, like how you experience that style versus how, like, I would. Because for me, I mean, this album is so stripped back and the lyrics are so incisive that it kind of just, to me, it gives the album this feeling of authenticity. Whether it is authentic or not, that's how it comes across. Let's talk about track four, A Reason to Stay. This one finally shook things up a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, this is your upbeat start. I almost get like Christmas song vibes from this a little bit, you know? Nope, nope, nope. We're in Thanksgiving mode. No Christmas song. I understand. You already gave me a Christmas album <laughs> in like the month of September. I literally. love rock and roll is not a Christmas album. I stand by it. But...
1: Listen, has a Christmas song, Christmas album that's... came
0: out at the Christmas time. No, this is not a Christmas song. I'm just, that's kind of the the energy that it put forth, you know? I think you're just biased. I think this gives all Thanksgiving vibes. If you say so.
1: Listen, out of all the songs on this album, uh, which song sounds the most thematic? like turkey bird it's
0: this one right I mean I guess (laughs) compared to like will it be (laughs) yeah oh yeah it's much closer than that one thing I like about this song is that we have this developing theme I mean it's already started to develop but this is the song where it really is directly stated of having a reason to stay you want something for me I don't have a reason to stay don't let me change your mind like all of these things are about trying to make this relationship work how do I do this for myself for my kids for my wife give me a reason to stay let me give you a reason to stay it is just prevalent Up until now and past this song.
1: Again, this one actually, the music goes places, right? You can hear the funky beat change as they enter from verse to verse. And it pulls the lyrics like you'll be fine, but not nearly as hard. Like the lyrics do a little better job of keeping up, but yet it still is pulling it a little bit kind of on the ends of phrases. And so it gives a nice ebb and flow.
0: Yeah, you're right. Especially on the pre chorus where he slows down to lay your hands on me and then it bounces back like you did a hundred times before. Is this what you need from me? Which felt like a callback, you know, to you'll leave as soon as I have nothing else. You want him saying is this what you need for me is, is kind of asking that same question in a different way I really love the chorus too. We used to feel alive I believe it's true running through the night feeding off our hope holding on to me So I couldn't get away, but I don't have a reason to stay. I just need you very pretty He's good at writing these kind of love songs. I guess you could call him that it's it is a love song But it's from the perspective of someone who feels completely undeserving. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's a very humble I
1: love you and you say you love me, but I don't get why right. Yeah, exactly Exactly. It's just some good imagery feeding off of our hope holding onto me so I couldn't get away. Yeah. Very vivid imagery.
0: I mean it's it's very clearly descriptive and yet also pretty intangible. Well, this one also gets on our top three. Hey, alright. Yeah. This one's not in my top three. That's interesting. I think we like this song different levels for different reasons. We each have our reasons to stay with this song. That's right. Yes, we, we do. Well, but I mean, to talk about how this song is so based on intangible imagery, the next song is absolutely grounded in a very understandable metaphor. It's called East Coast Winters.
1: Yeah, Uh
0: I don't know how to feel about this one. What, you don't like East Coast Winters? I don't know if I like it or not. Oh, interesting.
1: Part of me wants to put it in the top three. Other parts of me wants to put it in the bottom three. I can't decide.
0: Oh. Yeah. That's a weird conundrum. I know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe
1: as we talk about it, I'll make up my mind.
0: Yeah. Well, Anthony wrote this song a while before he released the album. And I mean, he clarified that he was in a much better place by the time the album came out. Like I said, he was the happiest he'd been as this album was being released. But at the time he wrote this, he was really struggling with some stuff or having some pretty hard thoughts to deal with. And so this song kind of takes on the role of being a very lonely song. And for the most part, it feels lonely, especially at the start. It's pretty much a one man show. Like there's no harmonies, no drums, really nothing but guitar. I think it's really smartly arranged in that way. Way, to kind of just convey that emotion through the way the song is put together.
1: I think what it is, I really, really, really like the chorus. Like, this is probably my favorite chorus on the album. The Every time you shut me in, you know, I just really like that. But the verses, he takes so long to say a handful of words. And the music's not really doing anything special at that point. I love the chorus. And so then when he goes back to this kind of more bland, which I get thematically why it's, but it's not what I want from like a listening standpoint. Yeah. Like this is a very, like, I guess
0: it's similar to Dark Side where it was like concept music, you know? Uh, I guess, yeah, you could, you could understand it in that sense.
1: This isn't a song that you put on because you want to listen to a fun song. No, The song you put on because you want the imagery and, themes going through it like you put up with the blandness because of what you're hearing from an emotional thematic.
0: Right. Yeah, I don't know. The verses, you're right. There's less going on and they are very sparse. But I mean, I think that parallels the idea of an East Coast winter. Anyone who walks down my path after it snows and covers up their footprints is, is just the first little chunk. Absolutely.
1: And I said I got it thematically, but it's just it takes so long to say that. I mean, like a whole minute goes by before he gets through the first three lines. It's very slow. Yeah. When there's not a lot going on to keep
0: you engaged.
1: Well. Fair enough. But then they hit those choruses. I love it. Oh, it's so good. Yeah,
0: I, it's it's varied. This is a song that mixes things up a lot. And I love the idea. One of my favorite lines on the record is that anyone who walks through my door is already done for. And if you walked a mile in my shoes, you'd never choose. You'd never come back here. Like this place that I'm in right now is a place that no one would ever want to be. He doesn't mince words.
1: I think I'm going to give this song Conorable Mention okay. for, the, for the chorus because I could listen to that chorus all day long. It's so pretty. Uh huh. So, Rest of the song doesn't match it
0: yeah interesting i can get behind conorable mention i'll i'll take it you're gonna have to take it it's what i've assigned it you can do everything but stop me R- right yeah this song in particular just had a really satisfying rise and fall for me you know it starts small with very little going on besides the vocal and the guitar and then it gets really big towards the middle gets pretty vast and then it gets small again it's almost like this bell curve of sound i, I guess if you want to call it that just in the way that it is constructed where the most intense part of the song is kind of right in the middle of it
1: now on this song, I struggled to decide, you know, I kind of buy into all
0: of it. I buy in completely to Dawn on the Canal. Ooh, Dawn on the Canal. Track six. What do you buy into on this song? What's What, what sets this one apart? The whole vibe of it. The whole vibe of it.
1: Oh. From the very beginning when you get the but up but up and you get like the, I don't know, is that like maracas? I don't know what it's shaking in the background. You know, something like shakes in the background. Uh-huh. I don't know. I just love how it vibes and then when he comes in with, the, with the, the cadence of the morning was a million. I don't know. I just buy into the whole vibe of this song.
0: Yeah, it's haunting this song is one of the most eerie songs on the record Wookie, you'd think we're back in october you would think it yeah but the lyrics really parallel that like the music like you said sets it up with this weird little minor chord that's just arpeggiated throughout and then the lyrics parallel that i
1: think that's a tambourine actually uh and just the the way the again the case the way it slides around like when you get onto the silent slow our voices you know he's like he's like slides all around like there's no consistent tempo yeah i
0: love it yeah, and the lyrics are also, they contribute to this atmosphere. Body scattered all around the room, quiet and close, and just like a ghost again. I mean, this is, this is a world-building song. You know, you kind of understand the entire energy of it right from the get-go. And we do, yeah, at that silent and slow part. We just get suspended there until the chorus. Going beneath, going beneath, and it holds, and it holds. You're really like holding your breath. You're stuck there with it. And the simple chorus is don't say no, no. That is maybe the floatiest part of the record. I don't know. It's just like the music is there and it's identifiable, but it's so ambient.
1: And like here, you know, I complained about how slow he would go and how long it would take him to say just a couple of words. But here when he does the don't say no, it's just so good. The hit of the chorus, like you said, it keeps you suspended on the going beneath and then you hit don't
0: say it's perfect. That little half step will do it. Needless to say, this song. Browns out the Connor tops Top three already by track six. Yeah. And the Conor will mention. Yep. You've taken four out of the first six. Yep. Wow. I admit that I'm a little disappointed by your top three because, well, first of all, Don in the Canal is not near my top three, but there's a notable omission that we'll get to later. Yeah. I have a feeling I know which one. Yeah, you probably do. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just like this song. The chorus is just so wonderful. The only thing that I notice a lot about this one is that the tense part does get to be a little bit long around the end of the second verse. When you've been listening to it for all of the first verse and all of the second verse, like it starts to get a little played out, but only the tiniest bit.
1: I'm okay with you saying that, but the fact that you know what it's building to, I I think saves it because you know they're about to come back in with a don't say no again. Yeah, you're right. And so it saves it because you're like anticipating that hit again
0: maybe it makes you anticipate it even more because ah yeah you're still in this tense state you're waiting for that release to come so i can see how it would get old but It did not for me. Yeah, I get that. Now, from
1: what I understand, track seven is called From What I Understand.
0: Yeah, you understand correctly. From What I Understand is track seven. The first thing I noticed about this, I mean, right away, is just the way that the drums tumble on this one. You know, that's kind of the style of them. It just, it rolls right along with the drums. Yeah. Especially since usually the drums are what hold this record down to have them be the thing that's more free-flowing here. I would almost describe
1: the, I don't know, the, the drums, I describe them in my notes is muddy. They, they kind of, like you said, tumbled along and kind of got mixed up in themselves almost. Yeah,
0: I can understand that. I think from what I understand is almost the sleeper track of the album. You know, it's forgettable, but it's really solid.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I would agree with the first part of that sentence. It was forgettable. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, okay, fair. Off of one take, it was forgettable. Sure. It's It feels pretty lyrically dense, you know? Release my arrow, but I forgot to aim. It burdens me that I'll never get to start deciphering the words from what I understand.
1: Yeah, I'm not quite sure what that imagery is supposed to be. He starts off with the release my arrow, but I forgot to aim. And so like I was with that. But then he goes on to this deciphering thing and how it fits in with the releasing of his arrow. I, I, I was a little confused.
0: I was too. And I think maybe this is a song that's more personal to him then it's meant to be understood by us if that makes sense like maybe this is a song he wrote for himself and put on the record yeah because there are some If we seem to be missing some pieces as listeners
1: because like he started with the release my arrow but I forgot to aim and with all the songs about his wife and like kind of love songs, style things I was like maybe he's going for like a cupid imagery there you know like and then he gets into this deciphering the words and like is the from what I understand like the words he's trying to decipher or is that him saying from what he understands he's never
0: going to get to decipher the words
1: like I, I, I don't know how the from what I understand fits into the, the line deciphering the words.
0: Yeah, I know. I I agree. I thought in this instance he was trying to decipher the words from what I understand. The second verse changes it up a little bit because it's preceded by divided and away. From what i understand and that to me felt like as far as i can understand things are divided and away i don't know it's different it's a tough lyric to crack it's a tough one to decipher yeah you know, from what i understand maybe that's the point of
1: it we're struggling to decipher his words
0: yeah from what we understand i, I kind of like that i do love the way that when he sings from what i understand everything cuts out for a beat and then we get into the chorus like the chorus feels on an island from the rest of the verses. And I like that. In the chorus he sings, please don't think of me like I'm your captor. What are you after? And and again, it's that same preoccupation with concerning yourself with how... The other person in the relationship understands you to be like, it's the same. I'm not holding you back. Don't think of me like I'm your captor. Go, <laughs> you know, do what you need to do. Be free.
1: Yeah. And that goes really well. With the second course where he changes up, he says, don't pretend with me like you're an actor. And he's saying, don't stay and just lie to me and pretend because you think I'm going to be hurt.
0: Right. Exactly. It's just it's, it's interesting, too. I mean, in the bridge, he says, you ask me to go without me. You're free, but I couldn't let it be. The whole song is a tough nut to crack, so to speak. This is a tricky one. And I think that's one of the reasons that it comes across as forgettable. Let's talk about seller next. Yeah, seller. What did you think of seller? Seller. That's the one that I have mixed thoughts about. You know how you talked about you've got one that you can't tell whether it's in the top or bottom three. Seller often occupies that spot for me because it's cool. You know, it's stripped back. It's just the guitar and his voice in the beginning. The guitar and the chords go down all the time, but his voice, his melody, is constantly rising and rising and rising through the verse. And then in the chorus, they kind of switch places, and he starts to do the descending, and the chords rise up to meet him. And it almost feels again like a march with very punctual rhythms behind his words and the fifths that he's singing that interval so it's unique and i guess i like it for its novelty
1: this is the song that I wanted to give Conorable Mention to. like It was between this and East Coast Winners for Conorable Mention. And the reason I went with East Coast Winners. So this one is the opposite. East Coast Winners, I didn't care for the verses, but that chorus hit was beautiful. This one, I liked the cadence and everything going on with the verses, but the chorus was kind of meh for me.
0: I can see it in your eyes. Yeah, I can see without compromise, you're all I need. It was just kind of bland.
1: I agree. But the reason I gave the Conor mention to East Coast winners instead, even though it had less of the sun that I was happy with, was because the impact of what I was happy with was greater. While I liked the verses on Cellar, they didn't have as big of an impact on me as the chorus of East Coast Winners.
0: No, I agree with that, 100%. If I were comparing those two sections of these two songs, that's how they would land for me, too. I think what it is is, I think this is a good song on the album, but I don't know if it holds up out of context. Because Cellar feels like a cornerstone of Pixie Queen, in terms of just its style and its lyrics, it feels like a very important song to this record. However... As a single on its own, yeah, I think a lot of that weight fades away from it when you take it out of this context, and that's probably why I struggle with it so much. And
1: that's part of why I describe this album as a concept album, you know, because things like that, right? These songs are meant to build off of one another and work together to give you this vibe, and they're not really going for the, are you gonna listen to this on the radio?
0: Right, yeah, this is an album that's built to be the way that it is, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's not meant to be piecemealed out. There's very strong threads that run through each song, both in the way that they sound and the Themes that they present i would call this a pseudo concept record
1: yeah which that kind of hurts it for me because i'm like again i'm the guy that listens to like nothing but mixtape songs right so i
0: know yeah you gave the concept album seven so like piecemealing out songs and
1: listening to individual tracks is like my entire musical taste. though so.
0: i know concept records are, are a bit much for you sometimes Hey, what's that supposed to mean? Um, that means that means you gave Dark Side of the Moon a seven. Yeah, I stand by it. I know you do. I do love the idea behind the chorus. I could see it in your eyes. I can see without compromise. You're all I need. I can hear it in your sigh. I can hear without compromise. It, it, it's just on a certain level, it's very primal, like instinctual. You know, you being all I need is just understood. It's It's like instinct, you know? Yeah. And I love how this song ends hanging on that last need and the dissonance between the vocal and the chords like that's just a nice little cherry on top of this song that is ultimately so confusing for me just in terms of how i feel about it but i like the way that it starts and it ends fair enough now i want to know is the next song i mean you've got your tops already but does the next song make it into your better half (laughs) the next song is called better half personally it's one of my favorites i like it
1: is this the one you said was missing from my top three? no okay good
0: believe it or not as much as i like this one there's still one coming that i like a lot better better half me. reminds me of
1: one of the earlier songs in terms of like the musical structure like again it's just the guitar strumming along the entire song not going anywhere
0: yeah you're right it's the same lack of a change in energy level I would say this one was better than whichever song it was earlier sure
1: I liked it better here but it still is just it didn't do anything for me just the guitar strumming the same kind of beat and rhythm the whole time
0: I guess the the difference is I feel like the motion in this one lies in the minutia of it where you know you get to no one ever gets my better Half and then it dies for a second. No, that it picks back up. You know what I mean? It's the little things like that that he relies on to give it texture. Yeah, this one does it better. This one's actually a sweeter love song of sorts. Yeah. You know, no one understands my better half with all of her quirks. And he talks about that in the first verse. She never has a lot to say anytime I try. She always wants to hear me sing, like telling her a story, says it helps her relax and unwind. Like he's kind of illustrating how he understands this person better than anybody. Or
1: so he you thinks know, that's a little narcissistic, isn't it? You're like, oh, no one could possibly understand my. Wife wife better than me. Well,
0: I don't think it's that no one could possibly do it. It's because the chorus is no one ever gets my better half. Like, even though people have tried, nobody ever gets it. Fair enough. And then the second verse takes that kind of classic Anthony Green turn where he talks about all the things that he's done that have kind of led to burdens on her. And that's why he understands her. You know, every time I go away, she has to be home chasing after the baby. It feels more like in the second verse, he shifts. I
1: like the second half of the verse when he goes into the anytime I'm anxious, imagine that I'm with her and I'm no longer blue. Yeah, I really like that. I do too. The idea that he kind of daydreams about being there and it makes him feel better.
0: Yeah, that's sweet. And I mean, he expounds upon that even more in the bridge. You're always in my head and you've been there from the start. I don't know, as far as I'm concerned, I feel like this is a pretty quick and quaint, cut and dry love song, you know? It definitely is. At least for this record, it's about its sunniest moment, almost. And we follow up one of the happiest moments on the record with one of the lowest points emotionally on the record. I mean, we go from the song Better Half to I'm sorry for everything I've ever done. And like this is another title that's going to fill you in on exactly what the song is about
1: a very sad song
0: yeah this is one especially where I noticed the lyrics lagging behind and being pulled by the music really yes but even in this case the music is so slow and that's I think what makes it stand out more
1: I was going to say that the lyrics match the music they were just slow in general it wasn't like the music was trying to move on without the lyrics the music was moving just as slow as the lyrics I
0: still felt like the lyrics were being pulled behind the,
1: this is another one where musically it's very stripped back right Not a lot going on. It's really just that piano hitting those chords. Yes. And so I felt like really it was the lyrics kind of moving the music
0: along telling the piano when to hit the next chord again.
1: Like, all right, I'm ready to move on to the next line so go ahead and hit a new chord.
0: Yeah, I guess I can understand that way too. I guess it just depends on where you start listening to it. You know, how you understand it at first is how it's going to persist through the rest of the song. That is true. A lot of good lyrics in here though oh my goodness yeah the first verse starts i was a fool praying for death i made a joke nobody laughed and she got uncomfortable like it was sad and then on the second verse he flips that around a little bit and he says i was a joke nobody cared she got uncomfortable she was so scared And, you know, we talked about some of his harmonies on other tracks being distant or really in the background. On this song, it feels like his main melody is way back there. Like, my focus kind of phases between his melody and the higher part of the harmony because of how just close together they are.
1: I really like the line. I guess I just like the string of lines here where it says I made a joke. Nobody laughed. She got uncomfortable like it was sad. Then into I didn't want anyone else to hear. Then I told a lie and everyone knew she got uncomfortable like it was I don't know. I just really like she got uncomfortable. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The the parallel of that is really good. Yeah. And then he ends each verse with please forgive me. That feels like the begging cry of most of this record for me, you know, and I guess in kind of a way, that's what makes this feel like an autumnal album. (laughs) Like it feels fitting for the fall because that's like his whole demeanor kind of parallels this fall. He acknowledges that he's been bad and he's experiencing this. He's begging for forgiveness. Like it's Pixie Queen as an album is just this resignation to the reality of himself. It's like a recognition that he can change but an admission that he's got so much work to do
1: part of the reason this maybe feels like a fall album is because of how depressing you know a lot of these lyrics are like he's sad he's self-deprecating right yeah and about now is when the seasonal depression hits in people who have it you know that's true days are getting dark sooner you know i don't know this kind of fits that kind of seasonal depression slip.
0: Yeah, the air's getting colder and there's this inherent distance to the songs. Yeah. And and it just kind of feels the same as like autumn in a lot of ways. It's, again, very intangible, very abstract to think about it that way.
1: Because, again, autumn is always considered one of the prettier seasons too with like the leaves falling in the pretty colors and all that. But then, like you said, it's getting colder. The days
0: are getting shorter. It's you know? colder. It's darker. Yeah.
1: It's, so it's like a, this that juxtaposition exists kind of here where he has his moments where he's like you know, you're my better half, and he's got the moments, but then he very easily can also just pull it all the
0: way back, strip it all the way back into a song like this, and get very sad and real. Yeah, I love that comparison with the Beauty and the Dark and Cold at the same time. They go hand in hand, like on these songs where he's talking about, yeah, I'm a father and I love my kids, I love my wife, am I good enough for this, am I gonna screw this up?
1: But I have no self-confidence, yeah, is love enough?
0: Right, or do you need to take more for me, like what do I need to be for you, how can I do it? And yeah, it's just this really And if I'm ever not enough, get out of here. Go. For your own sake. Yeah. I'll understand. Exactly. It's just this intense expression of all those things rolled into one. Yeah. But I think that brings us to the album Closer. And title track. Pixie Queen. This is the song, right? This is the one. This, as far as I'm concerned, this is the gem of the record. Really? Far and away, I feel like Anthony Green does save the best for last. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think this is such a great way to cap off this record. Sonic it's the biggest song on the record lyrically i think it's the most poetic the most beautiful in a sense i feel like it's one of the most powerful title tracks we've looked at yet and maybe one of the most fitting ones for the album that you'll find on any record period at least
1: for me me and three million spotify listeners disagree with you okay pixie queen only has just under half a million plays whereas you'll be fine has 3.5 million you'll be
0: fine is not as good as i love pixie queen i love it east coast winners has almost two million
1: man this is sitting very middle of the road in terms of spotify plays and i think it sits pretty middle of the road for me too where i would put it wow you know i got my top three i had my two that were f- competing for honorable mention so that would give me five of them this would probably go in at about slot six wow yeah but just still again that's a, literally pretty much dead even at the halfway point yeah right because
0: there's 11 tracks so yeah six is, is dead middle as far as we can get that's where it sits for me wow <laughs> I, I just like it a lot i don't know something about it it's always scratched the itch. scratch It's a little on
1: the long side. This is the longest song, as we mentioned earlier.
0: Oh, I know, but I could listen to it on
1: repeat forever. I think his slower style that he puts in songs is better for these shorter songs like Cellar and stuff like that where they're, they're on the shorter side because you don't have a chance to get bogged down by the slowness and repetitiveness, you know? You know, your attention span only can last so long. I don't know. It's a pretty song. There was no big special. Like, uh, there was no, like, you know, in in East Coast Winners where there's that big chorus hit. There was no really spots like that in this song for
0: me. Really? Oh, this has some of the biggest. Like where? Oh, like, so first of all, lyrically, I love it. He starts off, if we could pick our own parasite, then later accept we'd be better off dead. Like, all of us, to some extent, we all choose our vices and then have to come to terms with them with the way that we've made for ourselves. And we realize that it's all sucking the life out of all of us. It's hurting those that we love and to be better off for them for us to not be around, you know? I love that. And then we get into the chorus, and it's big. I mean, going into the chorus, we get the whole... That run up into the chorus feels great.
1: Yeah, that part, the da 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 -da, is is cool, but it's not like a big hit. In terms of level, it stays exactly where the stuff before it was. And the chorus, when it comes in, stays at the exact same level, even though musically it's changing it up. And the da-da-da is cool. He doesn't go anywhere with it.
0: Oh, come on. It stays at the same level. I disagree, because he launches into that chorus with his really high vocal on Suspend Within Your Life. It lasts so long.
1: Yeah, the note is cool, but the intensity of the song does not change. It goes from you'll still be my Pixie Queen into but uh which is still just as flat as the you'll still be my Pixie Queen, which then goes into suspend within your life. But that is still the same intensity level. He doesn't go anywhere with the intensity level. So while the music it has all this potential, it just didn't go anywhere. Man, stagnant's really the best word for it. His singing style and musical playing style is flat. Even though he's doing all these complex and cool things, you got to have that intensity shift, you know? Mm. You got to have your softer moments or your big hits. What should have been a huge like intensity hit like a big
0: ba-bum-bum.
1: It's still just ba-da-da, ba-da-da. but da But no but that's the thing. You know it's not going anywhere. But it's
0: heavy compared to the rest of the album which is what I think sets it apart. <sighs> I don't know. I love the lyrics too. Like I never thought you'd be still sleeping next to me. The
1: lyrics are good. I mean I've been applauding his lyrics this whole time. It's musically where he's suffering this entire album for me which is the opposite of where I usually am. Fair enough.
0: I don't know. The chorus goes I never thought you'd be still sleeping next to me. If I could make it through, I'll meet you there. I never thought you'd be, you'd still be my pixie queen. Like, I can't believe you're still tolerating me. I can't believe that even after how awful I've been to you, you find a way to love me. Yeah, it's all great. I'll try my best. To find a way to be better for you and even if i can't i'm still just enchanted by you like i love that sentiment
1: i love it now take that sentiment and actually put some intensity behind it it's the it.
0: most intense song on the album <laughs>
1: it, it, it's yeah but in the song itself right it doesn't go anywhere it stays at the same level the entire song so for five minutes straight that's all you're getting i'll agree it shakes it up compared to some of the other songs on the album but you gotta listen to five minutes of it not going anywhere of it being while still higher than everything else, flat. It'd be like if you were walking in a wheat field versus walking in a wheat field that's the, up at the peak of Mount Everest. What? It's still just flat. You know, it's higher, but it, it's flat.
0: I mean, sure, whatever. That's a weird analogy. I get it, but wow, I thought this would get a better reception from you. I love this song.
1: Yeah. As soon as you said that you were disappointed that there was a song missing, I was like, oh, geez, I'm at the battle on Pixie Queen. Yeah, but
0: well, you don't like. What about the end, where he takes the bridge and the chorus and blends it together? The bridge goes, I don't need. Need this we can't stay here i will follow you into another life and he blends that together with the chorus like you'll still be the one to lead me out and you're still my pixie queen my way out of the mess yeah
1: you know why it blends so easy because the entire song's flat it's easy to blend something when you're not going anywhere the entire time
0: it is not as flat as you're making it out to be I'm, i might be exaggerating from my point but <laughs> i feel like if the audience listens to this like I've, i'm curious to see whose side they take more oh they'll
1: probably take your side I mean, let's be honest here. I feel like the majority of the time the audience is going to take your side because I have pretty extreme one-shot take opinions on some of these
0: songs. I feel like, yeah, once you got (laughs) that in your head, probably towards the beginning of the song, you didn't, like, process any of the slight changes of intensity that maybe happened. Uh, See, I don't want slight,
1: though. I don't want slight changes. I want bigger changes. Mm. You know, a slight change doesn't do it for me. Maybe. I don't know. It's okay to do slight changes periodically on, like, a slow song here. and Like, if the blend was, like, the only slight change and all the other changes were bigger, and more dramatic, it would have been great. But when your entire album is nothing but slight changes, then you're barely changing at all the entire time. That's why I liked Cellar so much, because Cellar really shakes it up with this like more driven beat and the tambourine in the background. Like I think Cellar is one of the most different songs on the album. It is. And that's why I think I liked it.
0: I think, really, the nuance of this album is in the subtlety like that. I think that's what makes it such a unique record. I
1: don't want nuance.
0: Okay, fair <laughs> enough. I mean, it's got to be in your face for you, I guess. It
1: doesn't have to be in my face. It just has to be... Not hidden.
0: This is an album that's anything but in your face. The entire record is about how he doesn't feel adequate for a lot of things I in know. his life. And I think he presents that in a way that is fitting.
1: Uh, I guess concept albums just aren't my thing. I didn't
0: care for Dark Side. Didn't care for this. I guess not. Yeah. We're learning. <laughs> We're learning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this kind of was an experimental episode for me. This might have been the
1: biggest disappointment of an episode that we've done. Wow. Uh, not counting Kanye. I mean, but I went into that not expecting to like it, you know? Oh. Oh, no, no. So it's not really a disappointment. Kanye kind of met expectations.
0: It exceeded your <laughs> expectations. You wanted to give it a two.
1: And actually, yeah, you're right, it did. But going into this and like knowing that it was going to be a lot of ballad style songs, I was really hopeful to really like this album. And it was too much of a good thing.
0: Fair, okay. This is a record that I threw at you very curious about how you'd respond to it because it is- Are you disappointed? No. Well, I'm not going to be disappointed in any- <laughs> uh, I won't be disappointed in many of your scores, especially for a record like this one. I mean, we could debate Side all day long but for this album i mean you couldn't disappoint me with whatever you score it
1: so if i scored this a one you wouldn't be disappointed
0: i'd be surprised but i think it's interesting to hand you an album like this that is all ballads that i know that you typically like but then is also flipped up on the the lyrics and the music being you know one over the other like we talked about like i just have one variable changed on this record yeah and it's cool to see how varied your response is on all these different songs
1: i responded to it quite drastically
0: yes yes you did <laughs>
1: (laughs) I also feel like we've moved into final spin territory. So welcome, audience.
0: Yeah, we're sorry. We're already in the final spin with Snuck Up On Us. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) So yeah, why don't you go ahead
1: and just give me a summary of your thoughts and what your top song is? I think we've kind of already covered all of that. Yeah, top song.
0: I'll start with top song. got to be Pixie Queen, right? Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll just roll smoothly into that. It's absolutely Pixie Queen is my top (laughs) song. I think this record is very interesting in a lot of ways. I've always liked the nuance of the music even more than I like the lyrics. Let's talk like music and lyrical scores. I'll roll them into one because they're kind of intertwined on this one in a little bit of a way. I mean, we've talked so much about it already, but I really like the way that he structures his chords. Like we mentioned on, first of all, Pixie Queen, there's some really lovely major sevenths. I'm a sucker for major sevenths. Major seventh sucker. I know. (laughs) There's also some on Will It Be. I'm Not Holding You Back is lovely with the way that he dips down into I hear. Like, and there's a lot of clever stuff. We talked about the eeriness on Dawn on the Canal, the tumbling drums on From What I Understand. I'm pretty much a fan of the music across the board on this one. Now, I agree. There are times where it gets repetitive or times where the intensity level doesn't move quite enough. And I think for that reason, I'm giving music an 82 lyrically. I like a lot of this record, but I mean, if you take the lyrics out of the context of the music, which does so much to amplify them, I think they lose a considerable amount. We talked about songs like, From What I Understand, where I feel like we're just missing pieces here and there. Or we talked about something like East Coast Winters, where there's just so little going on in the first verse, like it's so sparse. Yeah. Like, the lyrics are pretty strong. I think they lose a lot in the absence of music. So for lyrics themselves, as an isolated piece of this record, I'm giving them a 78. Very heartfelt, very incisive and introspective, super emotional but... So lower the music. Seems like you were really hyping up. That oh, volume. I had to hype up the lyrics more than the music because that's the part that you liked better. I had to sell what you were buying on this record. Fair enough. I think instrumentation and production and vibe go together a lot on this one as well. The instrumentation is good. You know, the guitar playing is mastered really well, like I said. I love his vocal harmonies almost all the time throughout this record. The ways that they bring it close and far away when it needs to be, it's very well done. And it does give the record a certain distinct vibe. I think it stands out amongst the records in my personal catalog of ones that I'm familiar with for those reasons. I'm giving Instruments in Production a 78. I think most of the reason for that is because a lot of these songs do, I admit, they do tend to get Get a little samey just in the way that they're put together with the guitar, just going, you know, like you said, just strumming guitar the whole way. We talked about it on track three yeah and said, well, you're in for a whole album more of that, and you are. I mean, it's no secret that that's a bit of a one-trick pony in terms of vibe, though. I think the album's really consistent. Vibe is where it's strongest. Vibe is where it's strongest, and the score reflects that. I'm giving vibe an eighty-four. Eighty-four, because the combination of all these things rolled together. I mean, we even talked about it with Seller, like being a good song in the context of the. Album, but not meant to be piecemealed out. The album as a whole feels greater than the sum of any of its parts. In terms of music, lyrics, and instrumentation, everything seems like it works better together than it stands alone. So, in terms of a total score, all of that averages out to a cool eighty-one point eight. Eighty-one point eight. Where's that put it in terms of rank? Currently, Pixie Queen is sitting at two hundred fifty-three on my album list. And again, maybe sounds a little low, but that's out of. It is out of four hundred forty-seven. So just a little under middle of the road slightly under middle of the pack yeah not bad though and again how it scores is not in any way a reflection of how much i enjoy it yeah
1: you gotta be objective you gotta be way more objective with your score than i do i get to just go i hated it (laughs) Two,
0: yeah exactly you could say whatever you want i'm really interested to hear your score on this (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. So for me, Carmel Mention, again, went to East Coast Winners. And then my top three were A Reason to Stay, You'll Be Fine. And my favorite song on the record, I'm able to pick a favorite. Oh, you song. got a
0: favorite. Wow. Dawn on the Canal. I really enjoyed Amazing. it. Amazing. Yeah. Dawn on the Canal. Honestly, one of my least favorites on the album. <laughs> 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 Not surprised. I just really liked it. and it sums it up, doesn't it? It was very different. It is. In terms of the record,
1: I really enjoyed the lyrics. He crafted a lot of very visually stunning lyrics, really set you into exactly what he was saying, you know, but allowed you to picture mm-hmm. it. And they were very deep and thoughtful and relatable lyrics, I think, for people who struggle, you know, with self-confidence yeah it was just the music killed it for me it went nowhere it was too stagnant it was the same all the things i said throughout this entire album don't need to rehash it all but as good as the lyrics were you know it's not something i'd want to listen to over and over a lot of these songs aren't going to make it onto my playlist of random songs sure and i think that like we said the vibe of the album was strong if not depressing and i don't know maybe that factors
0: into it a little bit maybe i didn't like just how sad the whole album was it's, yeah, prevalently sad. Like it emanates <laughs> sadness.
1: Yeah. And so for me this week for Pixie Queen,
0: I'm giving it five turkey birds out of 10. Oh, wow. Five. We're back five. all the way down to a five. A five. Wow. We don't have many fives. It's kind of rare.
1: Yeah. Five is the low score I've ever given. So
0: although I do feel like, am I wrong in saying that this is one of the fives that, I mean, you had more positive things to say about this five than the other fives, which are, by the way, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and kin by Kanye and Electric Guest, respectively. I
1: think it goes at the top of the five.
0: Okay, that's what I thought, and I can live with that.
1: It it definitely beats out Kanye, and I think it beats out Ken. Ken, This one, I think, actually really sits pretty on par with Ken from a re listenability standpoint. I think I said the same thing about Ken. Wow. While I like some of the songs... I wouldn't listen to the songs very much.
0: That surprises me because while I think this record works better as a whole, like we talked about, I think Kin is just as strong divided as it is together. I
1: think I would agree with that. I would agree with that because Kin is like the exact opposite of this, where all the songs, I think, like you just said, stand on their own and don't really go together in any meaningful way. Oh, okay. So they don't congeal as much.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: Yeah. Whereas this one, they congeal well, but once you pull them apart, they get weakened down to the level of a Kin's.
0: Sure. Oh, I love it. Listen, we're at the point in the podcast now where you're comparing albums. Like before, you didn't know any. And now we actually have things that we can pick out that we liked on other things. That's great. That's so exciting.
1: I'm like an AI. I'm getting more information and getting better as (laughs) you feed me more data. Audience, I forced a bot to listen to dozens of albums. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just a bot. Yeah. But yeah, so five turkey birds, gobble,
0: gobble. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It's a terrible song. It's a great song. And it's November 1st. Why are you saying happy Thanksgiving? It's the first weekend in November. (laughs) This was an interesting episode. I kind of liked the dynamic on this one. Yeah. It's ironic because you didn't like the dynamics on the record.
1: (laughs) I like it when we disagree. Yes. It's like we agreed about things, but for opposite reasons. And then the things we disagreed about were major sticking points. It's true. Audience, if you liked the episode... Tell us about it in the comments.
0: Yeah, tell us who you agreed with more. Did you like the album? Did you hate it? Uh, I'm curious because, I mean, this is one that I've never heard anybody else talk about. I've just listened to it myself. So I'm curious to know what the general perception of it is. That's going to do it this week. We'll be back next week with another record. What are we doing? What's the genre? Can you give me a tease on what the genre is? We're going country again next week. We're going country. When was the last time we haven't gone country since Hank
1: Williams? That's right. It's been a minute. That was old school. Is this more old school or is it more, you know, modern country Like
0: No, this is... In a very funny sense, this is more middle school country. Oh. Ah, I see. Yes. Well, that's all the tease I'll give you for this week, unless the name Elrod means anything to you, <laughs> in which case that's an extra little bit of a tease. And until then, follow us on social
1: media, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook.
0: At Spin it Pod, at Spin it pod official.
1: MySpace. No,
0: we don't have a MySpace yet, and we probably never will. TikTok. We're at Spin Pod on Twitter, at Spin it Pod official on Instagram. Check out our website, www.spinitpod.com for all of our content. And until then, I feel like you are know what to do but we have to tell you to do it anyway keep spinning keep spinning i'm surprised i'm proud of you you didn't even make one joke about how anthony green and pixie queen really rhyme oh,
1: i i held it back
0: they rhyme ha 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 <laughs> yeah right